Right now, it's Perry and Shauna Replay from 89.3 Moody Radio. All right. In 2023, I am leaning hard into being more aware of God's presence in my life. You can call it a New Year's resolution because it did kind of show up for me at the end of 2022. But this is a practice, actually, that's been a part of my life for a long time. But I am resolved in 2023 to just be more and more aware of God's presence. I'm asking him to to help me to stay with him, his right here, right now presence every moment of every day. And just a little update. It's been three weeks now of just intentionally stepping into this every single day. And I'll just uh, I'll just catch up on where I'm at. I am so stinking frustrated with myself right now. It seems like I'm more aware of how often I'm not aware of his presence. Instead of getting better at realizing that he's right here, I'm just beating myself up over how often I forget. Are you appropriately flogging yourself? <laughs> if I could, I probably would. I am beating myself up for sure. <laughs> It's just, it's so frustrating to me because I want it so bad. I want to be more aware of God's presence. And uh, yeah, I'm leaning into it with all that I have. And I just am very aware of how short I am from where I want to be. You know what I mean? So yesterday I'm doing my quiet time and I sit down to spend some time with the Lord and I open up my devotional. It's the first sentence I read. It's all right to be human. Hmm. And I felt, you know, that. I don't know, that sensation in my chest. I felt my emotions kind of start to well up and wake up and kind of felt a little overwhelmed by them. And so I stopped and I just read that sentence again. It's all right to be human. And then I started to cry. And I'm like, God, you're not mad at me right now. You're not disappointed with me. You're not frustrated that I can't seem to do this, that I just keep failing. And in that moment, I, I really felt the mercy of God over me. He's not mad. He's not mad at me for being human. He's not mad at me for being human. He created me human. And then the realization came that, you know, Jesus was human. So he gets it. He gets us. He gets what we're going through. He gets that I start praying and then my mind drifts off to other things. And then I have to re-engage back in prayer. Like he gets that. Jesus had that happen. And God's not surprised or upset by this. And we shouldn't be either. All we need to do is just return to his company. Just be mindful of him once again. No, don't even take the time to beat yourself up. Just return. I love that Jesus' throne is a throne of grace. That's how the word describes his throne. It's a throne of grace. And the word says, come boldly before the throne of grace. Mm -hmm. Because Jesus has taken on our humanness. He's taken on our sins and our flaws and our failures. And he's opened the way up for us to come into his very presence with all that stuff and he understands. And so it's, it's a throne of grace. Come on. Yeah. Come I in. Know. And it didn't feel that way to me because of the way that I was treating myself through it. I felt like every time I had to redirect my focus back to God, I was like, oh, I'm failing. I'm failing, but we're not failing. We're learning. We're human. There you go. And we can ask God to help us to be more aware of him. I mean, I don't know if there's a prayer that pleases his heart more than to hear his kids say, help me to, be more aware that you're right here right now. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, it's the message version, says, Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what is so what he's so ready to give. Take the mercy and accept the help. 
I think I will. (laughs) Me too. So God, help us today to be more aware of you, more aware that you are right here, right now. Thank you for your kindness and your mercy as we learn. We love you and we trust you. When my mom decided to follow Jesus, he said to her, it'll be worth it all. And it was, as all my family ended up following her into God's family. So amazing. It was also worth it all as my mom had a chance to bring God's love to so many in her 82 years. I mean, just just her smile and her glow. My, my dad and mom were at Cranes in Holland one day sitting in the front window. There's some seats there, and you can look out the front window. And somebody walked by, and she locked eyes with them. And they actually came into Cranes to meet my mom mm-hmm. because just the glow about her. Yeah. So that's the way she was, and she had a chance to share God's love in that way, in that way, and so many other ways in all of her 82 years. Mom kept the faith and finished her race. She trusted Jesus from start to finish, and now she knows the full meaning of it'll be worth it all. But we're still in the race, you and me, we're still in the race, and the race is hard. And I don't know about you, there are times when it's hard to keep the faith. I wonder, will the Lord really keep me in his family? Mm. Or man, my sins are just too great, and I failed too many times. Or when my mom died, it felt like death was invincible and it was hard to believe in resurrection. It was hard to see the unseen realities. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting when you talk about life being hard and the things that kind of hit you. um, My wrestlings are not your wrestlings. I have my own, but they're totally, you know, they're, they're different. Like I, I believe that God can do anything but sometimes I feel like I'm the exception to the rule, you know, like God's God and he can do anything, but I'm a bit of a mess. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not giving you a lot to work with. So, you know, I believe that who he is and what he can do for other people, but I sometimes struggle to believe that what I believe that he could do through others, that he could actually do that through me as well. Yeah. I, I get that. I yeah. understand that. And you know, maybe it's hard right now for you to keep the faith. Maybe maybe that, Shauna, makes it hard for you to keep the faith that, that God believes in you mm-hmm. and that he knows that you can become everything that he's, he's called you to be. Whatever it is, um, we need to keep the faith because mm. things derail us. Life derails us. God promised Abraham that he would give his family the land of Canaan. And when the time came, hundreds of years later, for God to make good on his promise, they wouldn't go in. They had this promise. They had known it for hundreds of years. Moses had sent 12 spies to scout out the land, and when they returned, 10 of the spies said, we can't do it. These people are too big. They're too strong. They'll sweep us away. And those 10 spies persuaded the people, the large mass of people, to give in to fear even though God had made the promise. Mm. And because of their unbelief, they weren't able to go in. Now, Jesus has a promised land that's greater than the promised land of Israel. It's eternal joy in a land of forever, a land of wonder, a land of adventure, where he'll wipe every tear from our eyes, where we'll see his face. 
And if you're finding it a slog right now to keep the faith, maybe don't look so much at your faith. Mm. It's not about the bigness of your faith, but look to the faithfulness of Jesus. Throw yourself on the faithfulness of Jesus. I think that God is so good to give us each other because there are times when I don't believe it for myself, but you can share it with me and I can hear it from you. You know what I mean? Like we need to remind each other of what is true. And there's like a thread and a theme in our conversation this morning about kind of balking. You know, you're talking about them getting to the edge of the promised land and then being fearful and not going or, you know, feeling like we're failing or am I going to be good enough? Like just that whole, you know, could God really do what God says he's going to do? And is he who he really says he is? And so, yeah, we need each other to remind each other that the word is true. God's word is true. His promises are sure. He's faithful. Yeah, maybe we can't trust our own faith, Hmm. but we can trust the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Yeah, Jude verse 24, one chapter in Jude. And if you're going to memorize a whole book of the Bible, memorize Jude because there's only one chapter. (laughs) There you go. But it says, to him, to Jesus, the faithfulness of Jesus, to him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before his glorious throne without fault and with great joy. These are my personal thoughts, my own opinion, but anybody who says to you the Bible is a boring read, I'm telling you, they have not read the whole thing because there are some crazy stories up in there. So Mark 5, 1 through 20, there's a story of a man who is tormented by these impure spirits, and it's so bad he can't function in society. He just, he can't do life. He lives in the tombs. He's away from everybody else. He cuts himself. He screams out in agony at all hours of the day and the night. And so they try to bind him up with chains. And honestly, I think they're just trying to keep him safe from himself, from harming himself. But he's so strong, he breaks out of the chains. I mean, this guy's just not okay. So Jesus shows up and heals him. And there are just a ton of details to the story. And it involves a conversation with a legion of demons and Jesus and 2,000 pigs. I'm actually, I'm not kidding. It really does. You can check out the whole story in Mark 5. But Jesus ends up delivering this man from these demons and he gives him his life back. And then verse 14 through 17 from Mark 5 says this, those tending the pigs, see, I told you, ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who'd been possessed by the legion of demons just sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and they told them about the pigs as well. And then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Okay, so this guy is completely robbed of his life. He's ostracized. He's completely isolated, right? He's unable to be in relationships with other people. He's unable to hold down a job. He's robbed of his dignity. He was running around naked in the tombs. He meets Jesus and Jesus gives him back his mind. Actually, Jesus gives him back his whole life. And the people were afraid of Jesus. And I think one of the reasons, they had lots of reasons to be afraid, but I think one of the reasons they were afraid is that Jesus completely upset their normal. You know, they, they, the guy you know, who lived in the tombs had a lot going on and I'm sure they felt bad for him and it was a disruptive to the neighborhood, but they knew it. They understood it. It was their normal, right? But 
But Jesus making this guy in his right mind, I mean, all of a sudden, Jesus is the one to fear now instead of the guy in the tombs because Jesus is unpredictable. What is he going to do next? And then, of, of course, there's what he did with the pigs, which we didn't tell you, but 2,000 pigs at the command of Jesus go running down this hill and into the Sea of Galilee. Yeah, the pigs get the short end of the deal here. <laughs> yeah, it does not end well for the pigs. <laughs> but I think they were freaked out by Jesus. Because, the pigs? Yeah, the pigs were definitely freaked out by Jesus because <laughs> he put evil spirits in them. But I think the, the people there in that region were freaked yeah. out by Jesus because that was the Decapolis, the Decapolis, 10 cities, a very non-Jewish area, a pagan area, lots of superstition, lots of occult practices, occult practices, witchcraft, and Jesus came with this power, and I think they were afraid of him for one mm-hmm. thing. Oh, yeah, they were afraid of his power for sure. Yeah, so instead of saying, wow, this was amazing, you healed this guy, they were like, get out of here. Mm-hmm. We're afraid of you. We're not used to this. You know, we can't contain this. And also, you know, probably hurt their jobs as well. They thought it would hurt their jobs because Jesus just destroyed 2,000 pigs. Right. So they were afraid of of Jesus. They were afraid of his power. I agree with you 100%, Perry. They were also afraid of his presence. Like, we don't know what this guy's going to do. So they beg him to leave. And here's, you know, every story in Scripture is an opportunity to learn the character of God, but also to learn something about myself humanity, big picture, that's a little safer. Maybe just, you know, ask yourself in the picture, what does this say about people? But to get really personal and to have the scripture impact our lives, we have to ask the question, what does this say about me? Or how does this impact me? And, and this is where I came to through this scripture, just asking myself this question, what areas of my life am I afraid to have Jesus upset my normal, you know, as unhealthy as it is, as not good for me as my normal is, are there places in my own life that I'd rather have Jesus leave than have Jesus change me? Can you think of one that you'd want to share? I mean, I'm putting you on the spot here. Yeah. I I, I know I'm a girl who likes her routine. So, yeah, anything that is disruptive to my routine is um, feels threatening to me. Like, ah, I like it this way. Now, I can't think of a... Um, I mean, for instance, sure, I'll throw one out there. My home. I love my home. There's a lot of security there. There's a lot of memories there. If God were to up and move me out of that home to someplace else. Whew. Anxiety. Yeah. Like, wait a minute. But, but maybe God has something better. But like, well, okay. But I like where I'm at. Do you know what I mean? We mm-hmm. settle into the normal. This job. I love my job. I love what I'm doing. I'm so grateful to be here doing what I'm doing. If if God were to say, I've got something else for you, Shauna, I would feel unsettled in that. I would feel concerned about that, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I can relate to this big time. When I was a teenager, I was I thought the Holy Spirit was maybe scary or just weird or those people who were into the Holy Spirit were were crazy, you know, and I had an opportunity as a teenager to experience more of the Holy Spirit. And I, I wanted nothing to do with it, Mm. with him. I wanted nothing to do with him because I thought it was just weird people. And then there was this 
prayer gathering and it was spontaneous and there were other young people who were into the Holy Spirit and they were praying for others and I was not going to budge, but my sister got up to get prayed for and a friend got up and I thought, okay, I'll give it a try. I don't think anything's going to (laughs) happen. And the Holy Spirit just filled me in a powerful way and it really changed the whole trajectory of my life. And I think sometimes we're afraid for Jesus to upset our normal Christian life. Yeah. Yeah. Was it good? Yeah. Was the disruption a good thing? Changed the trajectory of my life. In a good way. Yeah. Yeah. It was good. <laughs> there I we mean, go. That's what I'm getting it. at. Was it bad? Does it what not, the Holy Spirit did or was it good? Does the tone of my voice sound like bad? No, it doesn't at all. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I think that's what we're afraid of. I think we're afraid that it's not going to be good. And so that's why I'm asking the question, was okay. it good? What, what God it did, was, was it good? Good. <laughs> okay. Woo. Yes. So like me, if there are places in your own life that, yeah, I just ask you to ask yourself the question today. Are there places in my own life that I would rather have Jesus leave than have Jesus change me? And I'll tell you, just from my own heart this morning, in every area of my life, I will welcome Jesus and the changes that he brings. When I put my faith in Jesus on the playground at Eastside Elementary in Sheboygan in fifth grade, I was filled with a confidence that I would see Jesus face to face and be with him forever. It wasn't a confidence in myself. It was a confidence in Jesus Mm -hmm. and in his promise of eternal life. And it was the Holy Spirit just giving me that confidence. It was before I really did anything good or bad. 99% of my sins were ahead of me. And yet there was Jesus giving me the assurance of eternal life. And probably 99% of the things that you did to advance the kingdom of God were also still ahead of you. Sure, <laughs> We sure. lose sight of that sometimes. Wasn't much ministry there either, but for sure, Jesus wanted to change me after that and clean me up and make me more like him. And he has done a lot of that in my decades of following him. But I often come back to that moment of Jesus' glory on that playground. Mm-hmm. That's why I love Hebrews 3.14 so much. It says, We have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly to the end the confidence we had at first. There have been many times I've questioned God's love for me and his forgiveness of my sins, and if my place is secure in God's forever family Mm -hmm. since that day on the playground. Mm -hmm. But that day speaks life to my fears. It reminds me of the main thing, trust in Jesus. Have confidence in Jesus, in what he's done, in who he is. Don't trust in my own moral track record. Trust that Jesus paid it all. Don't be confident in yourself. Have confidence in Jesus. That's such a different message than what the world tries to teach us and our culture tries to teach us, right? Is your number one big foam finger for you, (laughs) right? You know, and it's all about you and you just have to have more confidence and you just have to speak positive messages to yourself And in walking with Jesus, it's not about puffing yourself up. Mm -hmm. It's about just being confident in who he is and knowing that he loves us and he's for us and we can trust him. Yeah, it takes a ton of pressure off, too, when we put our confidence in him and we don't think we have to save ourselves. Because that's essentially what the it's all about me message is. Mm -hmm. 
it's all on you too. Right, right. It's all on you. You you got to be your own Lord and Savior. I think about the David and Goliath story, right? Here's this young boy who comes against this giant and he didn't say, it's not like he was young and cocky and like, I could take the giant. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It was, you are, do you understand what he says to the giant, right? Like, do you understand what you're talking about? Do you even know what you're saying? Because you're coming against the God of Israel. Mm -hmm. And so I'm coming against you, not as some small boy, I'm coming against you in the name of Jesus. And Jesus is going to defeat you today. That's what's going on. Not me. And you're going to see it happen. And just, it was God confidence. It's such a beautiful picture of what it looks like. He was representing. Yeah. Representing. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Let's, let's keep on repenting of our sins and letting Jesus change us into the lover he is. Let's pursue godly living and keep short accounts with each other. Let's pursue justice and love mercy and walk humbly mm-hmm. before God and be pure and seek purity and ask God to cleanse us when we fail. But more than anything, have confidence in Christ. Don't have confidence even in your own faith. You know, throw yourself on Jesus because it says in Hebrews 3.14, and it's the message of the Bible We have come to share in God. We have come to share in Christ. We have come to share in eternal life. If we hold firmly to the end, the confidence we had at first. Trust him. I think that the Lord in his goodness, he gives us, he distributes in us pieces of his heart. And that's why when we come together as a whole body, we get such a more full picture of who God is in his people. But there's different pieces of who he is in every single one of us. And one of the things that no matter, you know, what decade of life I've been or how many years have passed that I have been pursuing my whole life is practicing the presence of God. And I'm reading this book right now by Brother Lawrence. It's called The Practice of the Presence of God in Modern English. And in there, there's this quote um, that just kind of made me stop and think I, you know, it's a great book, but I just stopped to chew on this one sentence. And it says, our sanctification does not depend upon changing what we do, but in doing for God's sake, what we normally do for our own sake. And I really think that sums up what it is to be a Christ follower. You know, without Jesus, we're the center of our whole world and everything revolves around me and what I want and when I want it and how the people in my life can serve me and I know these aren't, these aren't admittances that we would typically say out loud to other people. But I just challenge you to consider your own motives and what drives you a lot of the time. Is it what is going to honor glor- and glorify God or is it what is going to honor and glorify you? So I love this, that it's our sanctification, which is just us becoming more like Jesus, is not so much about changing what we do, but in doing for God's sake what we normally do for our own sake. And what comes to me in this is that uh, I need a new heart uh, to do everything that I do for God's sake. I can't do on my own. I need the energy of the Holy Spirit in me. So it starts with a relationship with God and being given a new heart because, you know, as Jesus said, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are the things that that come out of my natural heart. Mm -hmm. 
But God says, I'll give you a new heart. And Jeremiah talks about the new covenant. He says, I will put my law in your mind and write it on your hearts. I will be your God. You will be my people. I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. So, yeah, what comes out of my heart is naturally is not the ability to do what I do for God's sake. But with the Holy Spirit now in me, mm-hmm. you know, I still can do things for myself, but I'm not a slave to do things right. for myself. I can say, Holy Spirit, I need your energy to do this for you. And I fall into doing things, even Jesus things for my glory, but I can repent and I can call on the power of the Holy Spirit. So when I think of just, you know, doing what I do for God's sake, that's where my mind goes mm-hmm. is, God, I need you. I'm desperate for you. Yeah. And I think when we think about sanctification, we automatically think about what has to be eliminated. Ah, uh, I'm on the road to sanctification. I need to stop doing this. I need to get rid of that. Okay. That's a big word. Sanctification. Yeah. That's a th- real, really theological churchy word. What does that mean? Becoming like Jesus, being made holy, being becoming like him. But I, instead of focusing on the stuff that we need to rid ourselves of, because that's focusing on those things, if we can focus on the presence of God, if we can get into the practice of inviting God into all our moments, or probably more accurately, you know, we like to see it as that, like I'm inviting God into this moment of mine. It's waking up to the fact that he's already here. God is in the room. That in and of itself is going to make me choose differently what I participate in and what I don't. If I recognize, not in a shameful way, like, oh, he's watching me. He's going to, you know, he's going to get me with his hammer, you know. Instead, thinking the presence of the Lord is here, like God is here. And is that something that I want to do with him? Is is that activity or that is that something I want for us to engage in together, me and the Lord? Yeah. Or not. And it, it helps to shave off some things. And for me, it's not God's in the room with me, but God is in me. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit is in me, giving me the energy. I, I will often pray, God, be at work in me, uh, giving me the desire to do what is good in the specific way that you want me to do good. And apart from you, I can do nothing. Mm-hmm. So today, we can be intentional about reorienting our thoughts to being aware of God's presence with us. And as we do, it's going to make us more like him. Thanks so much for listening. Questions or comments, text us at 800-968-8930. That's 800-968-8930.